The Bible reading this morning is from Acts 1, verses 3 to 11. For 40 days after his death, he appeared to them many times in ways that proved beyond doubt that he was alive. They saw him and he talked with them about the kingdom of God. And when they came together, he gave them this order. Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift I told you about, the gift my father promised. John baptised with water, but in a few days you will be baptised with the Holy Spirit. When the apostles met together with Jesus, they asked him, Lord, will you at this time give the kingdom back to Israel? Jesus said to them, The times and occasions are set by my Father's own authority, and it is not for you to know when they will be. But when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, you will be filled with power, and you will be witnesses for me in Jerusalem, in all of Judea and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. After saying this, he was taken up to heaven as they watched him, and a cloud hid him from their eyes. They still had their eyes fixed on the skies. He went away. When two men dressed in white suddenly stood beside them and said, Galileans, why are you standing there looking up at the sky? This Jesus who was taken from you into heaven will come back in the same way that you saw him go to heaven. How good is that? How good is that? Well, we're going to get into our third pillar of the church, uh, our third core, sorry, of the church. Um, We've been talking the last few weeks about the cores, these parts of the church that are unmovable, the pillars as such, that can't be sort of taken away. And I'm going to sort of try and skip through a few of this, a bit of this fairly quickly. So, so the last couple of weeks we've had, um, we've talked about two of the five, those five pillars. We've talked about two of the five pillars. We talked about, first week we talked about discipleship. Discipleship. Thinking about how um, we are following Jesus, being totally devoted followers of Jesus, getting off the hill and um, from just looking at Jesus and going, wow, how cool is Jesus, to actually getting out and following Jesus, finding some space to make ourselves uh, attuned to who who God is and uh, following Jesus. Um, The second pillar we talked about last week was about worship, really. It's giving glory to God. And this week I, I, was, I received a text uh, from one of our church uh, members uh, of, a, of a picture of a sunset. And it said, how can I not give glory to God? I mean, how good was that? That filled my, my morning up. That was fantastic to, to hear that um, someone's seen, seen God's glory and gone, I can then glorify God through uh, my worship. I thought that was fantastic. Um, and this morning as we lead into this next pillar... We'll flow on from what we've heard about with our young people, uh, these young people that have gone out and shared good news through their action and their words. And the third pillar that we're going to look at this, this morning is, is mission, but it also is evangelism. Two words that we use in church, mission and evangelism. 
Um, there are some distinctives that separate the two words, but I think for, for our, our case, we wanna, I want to try and mould them together a little bit. Because as we go out of this space, we're on mission, but mission without sharing about who Jesus is, is missing something as well. So I think there's a good link with mission and evangelism together that I want to try and uh, combine. So I've, um, I've, I've, I've decided if we're going to combine the words, let's combine the words and make a new word. So I've called it Michelism. <laughs> Michelism. So that's our third pillar. Good luck in remembering that. And uh, it's the action of evangelistic mission in the world. It's the act of evangelistic mission in the world. I googled it, and there's no real uh, anything that's really uh, shaped around Michelism. So we could have coined something here today. Let's, uh, let's see how that goes. So we're going to look at this idea of evangelizing in mission. What does it mean for us to be in the world, to be thinking about the world that we live in, and sharing Jesus in that space? Let's pray and get into it. Now, God, we ask this morning that you help us to understand your word, uh, that you give us hope in your word, and that we may uh, go out from this space knowing that we are on mission for you, that you are mission in itself, and that we have the opportunity to partner with you to share the good news of Jesus Christ to those who we meet. Pray you be with us as we hear your word. May it be clear to each of us. Amen. Steve Chalk, I spoke about a couple of weeks ago. He's a, a church planter. Um, he founded an Oasis Trust in the UK um, and is a Baptist pastor. He wrote a book called Intelligent Church. I think I referred to it a couple of weeks back. I read it a long time ago, but it's a really relevant book about church and about the church. And in, the, in that book, he asked a question. He says, does God's mission have a church? Does God's mission have a church? Does the mission of God need this institution that we call the church? It's not demeaning that the the church, because the church is actually God's design. So the answer is, well, well, yes, it does. (coughs) We are the bride of Christ. A groom without a bride just isn't complete. So of course, God needs the church. But if we dig a little deeper into Steve Chalk's question, we start to understand his question is slightly different. Over the 2,000 years since the formation of the, the church, it's undergone many transformation in its understanding of this term mission. That perhaps mission has moved away from what it originally was meant to be. The people of God, the church, married to the groom sort of doing work with Christ in Christ's space to grow the kingdom of God. Steve Chalk's question suggests that the church and mission have somewhat separated and perhaps mission has become more of a function or a program that's incorporated into the church. See, mission is part of most churches' agenda. The church is one who puts mission on the agenda the church send the call people out to mission and we, we often send out, like we have, young people to go and do short-term mission trips. It raises awareness of what God is doing in and through the world and that's good. I don't want to demean any of that. We need to champion our young people who go off on short-term missions and see something a bit beyond their space. We want to encourage our missionaries who have been called specifically to specific spaces and places. And 
the work that they're doing in sharing the, the gospel with those who have not heard it. However, I remember Steve Chalk talking about this 10 years ago when I was in England. And he, he proposed a, a different approach to how perhaps the church can engage with mission. And he flips the equation on his head and his question, does God's mission need a church? It wasn't so much about having a go at the church or suggesting the local church is not useful. Rather, it's making the point that God is already on mission. Regardless of whether the church, whether we, God's people, have caught up with that or not. I think it was Charlotte that said exactly this. They went into that space and saw God was already doing something and engaged with God what God was already doing. This is what theologians term missio day. God at work in the world. God, God's actions that are already happening in the world. Missio Dei is the mission as an activity of God. It's not a mission stemming from the church, but we, the church, are called to participate with that ever-present God, ever-working God, working beyond our understanding in ways that we don't fully quite get, in places that we've never gone, and we're being invited on that journey. Romans 1.20 gives us an indication of this idea of Missio Dei. For since the creation of the world, God's invisible qualities, his eternal power and divine nature have been clearly seen, being understood from what has been made, so that men, humans, are without excuse. From the beginning of the world, God has been on mission in the world. God is continually at work within the world. God's people, us, the church, are the tools to fulfill that mission. So the question we need to ask us, ourselves, are we prepared to be on mission? J. Andrew Kirk in his book, What is Mission? He suggests that mission is what the Christian community is sent to do, beginning right where it is located. We're all called to be on mission, right where you are. When the church minimizes mission to what someone else does, we cease to be engaged with what God is doing right here. It sounds a little dramatic, but it's a reality. Is the church here for us? Because if I was to define church to us, why we have this building here and why we meet on a Sunday and throughout the week, I would suggest the purpose for us is to build up the body that we may go into the mission mission field. Steve Chalk's question makes us remember that God will do God's work with or without us. But how much better will it be if we engage in God's work throughout our week where we are? We heard from Annie, Acts chapter 1, verses 4 to 11. And these are Jesus' last words to his disciples as they uh, sort of, these words become very missional. They're very evangelistic in nature. They're missionalistic. It's 
not really working so well. In verse 6, we hear this desperate cry of the disciples to Jesus. Jesus had come back to them. He'd been with them for 40 days and spoke with them about the kingdom of God. They were excited again. Yet there was no real sense of what was next. Verse 4 gives the disciples, we hear in the disciples a sense of anticipation. And Jesus tells them, don't leave Jerusalem. Don't go anywhere, but wait for the gift my Father has promised. Imagine hearing that from Jesus. I'm like, this is exciting. This is exciting. Something's going to happen. For John baptized with water, but in a few days, you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Something's going to happen. This is kind of exciting. There might be a mix, mix of uncertainty. We don't know what this looks like. Excitement, anticipation. What's this gift that Jesus is talking about? What will baptism of the Holy Spirit look like? What does it all mean? So they ask a question to follow up. Well, God, well Jesus, when, when will you restore the kingdom to Israel? When's that going to happen? Because that's what we thought you were going to do first time round. Because when Jesus was killed, the hopes of the Saviour were sort of killed as well. However, when Jesus came back to life, their hopes are already restored. They're brought back, but they're not sure what it means. What are you going to do to make this happen, Jesus? How are you going to bring the kingdom back to Israel? And Jesus' response helps us to understand how God's kingdom, not just Israel, but God's kingdom will be restored or is to be restored. He says this in verse 7. It is not for you to know the times or dates the Father has set by his own authority, but you will receive power... When the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in all of Judea and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. It's not for you to know God's way, but I'm going to give you a hint. You're going to be the ones who receive power, the Holy Spirit, and you're going to be the witnesses. You're going to be doing the work through this place here, through your area, and to the ends of the earth. See, the word witnesses is, is, is referring to an eyewitness, someone who is able to speak with authority about the transformation of what's gone on in their life because they've seen it firsthand. They speak about the transformation of the Holy Spirit in their lives. They're going to speak about the transformation that Jesus had made in their lives. They'll speak to those who didn't have that opportunity. So for these disciples, mission is an act of obedience. Come back to our discipleship. An act of obedience to God's ever-present action in our world and in our lives. As the Holy Spirit enters into this space and comes on the disciples, their mission is then to, through that transformation, share that with the rest of the world starting right where they were and then spilling out to the ends of the earth. I wonder if we've experienced a transformation of knowing Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Saviour. I wonder how that outflows in your workplace or in your school or in your university or in your area that you live, your neighbourhood, the people that you've been praying for, the people that you meet in the cafe. How does that transformation live itself out in your life? 
Because mission starts right where you are and spills out to the ends of the earth. I'm going to give you three reasons for each of us to remain missional now. All of us to do this. And it all comes from these verses. Um, First thing is our mission has no fixed end date. Our mission has no fixed end date. Jesus' response in verse 7 tells us that the mission of God keeps going. It's not for us to know when to stop. It's an ongoing mission that doesn't stop until God's kingdom is fully restored. It's a reminder from Jesus that we must continue to be devoted disciples, living out the glory of God that others may see it, bearing witness to those who have not yet heard the good news of Jesus Christ. There's no end date. So our mission as Christians is ongoing. Keep on being a blessing to the community around you. Keep on seeking opportunities to share your faith story with others. Keep praying for an openness towards your neighbours and the opportunity to eat a meal with them. We're called to continue to proclaim the good news of Jesus. Keep mission in the forefront. On the screen, you'll see a prayer. This prayer is a prayer that I got back in the habit of saying this week. As I got up, I sort of said this prayer and just allowed God to do something with it. I said, Jesus, make me aware of those around me, their needs, and how you want me to interact with them. Pretty simple prayer, huh? And you know, I haven't got some amazing story about how God came sort of into my path and I shared the gospel with them and, and they were became a Christian on the spot and we saw a puddle and I baptised them. I haven't got that story. I haven't got that story. <laughs> but you know what had happened? What happened in my, in my own space is I had a renewed awareness of the people that were around me. I was reminded of the glory of God through others, even in this congregation, as I kept my eyes open to the world. It's like I lived with my head up rather than my head down. Perhaps it's a prayer that you can pray this week as you be a disciple on mission. Second thing is, you're you're not on mission on your own. You're not on mission on your own. You will receive the Holy Spirit, is what it says in verse 8. I think perhaps one of the problems with the label of mission and evangelism is that it's scary. It's too hard. It's easier for others who have got a gifting to do that. We saw this morning eight young people on stage sharing about their journey and stepping out in faith, going out and talking to to people about Jesus, being willing to serve in a a way that they probably never uh, have served before. We are all called to be on mission, but we don't have to do it alone. We're called to share our reason. But we've got this backup. In verse 8, we will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. We see at the day of Pentecost that people were able to share with all people of all languages through the work of the Holy Spirit. It wasn't of their own doing. But the result was that thousands were added to their numbers. Thousands were baptised. The Holy Spirit is your power, and as you seek Jesus in your, to be Jesus in your community, as you take steps, remember that the Holy Spirit is guiding you, is helping you, is giving you words to say. I wonder if we have a blockage, though. So I wonder if we truly believe that. 
I wonder if we truly believe that one of the persons of the Trinity, God in very nature, is right with you every step that you take and will give you power to be a witness. I wonder what difference it will make in your life and the lives of the people that you meet if we keep that in the forefront of our minds, if that becomes a daily reality. I remember when I was at university, I was at Melbourne Uni, and you'd sort of walk around the uni and there'd be people that would chuck flyers at you and they'd want to talk to you about either their club that they were running or some political issue or, or something that they were doing. And some of them were ruthless. They would just not leave you alone. I got into the habit of seeing how far I could get them to walk with me. So, because Melbourne Uni, you start down the bottom. My engineering one was right down the bottom on Grattan Street. And I'd see how far I can get them up the, uh, the university. So I'd say, all right, well, walk with me and I'll, I'll listen to you. And we'd talk and we'd talk and we'd talk. But one of the things that I realised, and I don't, didn't often listen to what they were saying really, but one of the things I realised was that they were totally passionate and sold out and believed in their system or in their product or in the group that they were talking about. They were unashamed. They would speak to anyone about it because they believed in what they were doing. They wouldn't cower away from sharing it with anyone, regardless of whether they thought that uh, someone might not uh, be attracted to it or not, because they believed wholeheartedly that each person that came towards them should be part of their group. Do, do you believe that each person we come across should have the opportunity to meet with Jesus? Do you believe that? Well, with the blessing of the Holy Spirit, we can be the people, the agents to help others meet Jesus as well. Not just through how we live our lives, but through pro- proclaiming it through sharing our story of what Jesus has done in your life. And if you've never sort of thought about how Jesus has interacted in your life or impacted your life, it might be a good place to start. What's Jesus done in your life that made a difference? What was it about Jesus that made you say, I need to know him? What was it about Jesus that that transformed your life and made you who you are right now? Because people need to hear that story. So you're not on a mission on your own. And the third thing, we're called to be witnesses. We're called to be witnesses. First where you are, and then beyond. Has anyone had to be a witness in a crime before? Like stand up and be a witness or anything like that? Anyone had to do that? Oh yeah, other that, yeah. So Larry had to, uh, to be a witness at one stage, didn't he? He saw a road rage sort of event happening and um, he had to pick someone out of a lineup. was that right? Yeah, to pick someone out of the lineup, um, and had to give testimony to the, uh, the, the police about this person and what this person had done. So as a witness, she was on the spot. She was an eyewitness to what had happened in this crime, in this event. She had to recall the facts of what was going on in this event. Now, Jesus is asking each of us who receives the Holy, Holy Spirit to be now witnesses to the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. He says, you'll be my witnesses. You'll be my mouthpiece. You'll be the ones that share about me to those who don't know, testifying to the person of Jesus Christ. And we have, we may not be 
eyewitnesses that were walking with Jesus, but we have the, the witness of that transformation that Jesus has made in your life. And Jesus tells us where this should happen. He says, start in your home. Start where you are. Be a witness to Jesus in the place where you work, right where you are. Mission starts where God has you today. Some people are given a passion to travel beyond our shores and share Jesus to those who are foreign, those who have never heard the the word of Jesus. We thank God for them. But many of us don't get that call. So we're called to mission right here. We're called to share Jesus with the people around us right here. Because the reality is that as we share good news of Jesus, we trust that God will use that good news to spread not just right here, but to spread further afield. And the web of good news sharing starts to stretch and grow. We may never know how far reaching our obedience to being missional and evangelistic in your space will be. How far God's reach will go. Just a final illustration that the band might want to come forward as we, as we um, share this. One afternoon, Patsy Claremont found herself on, a, on an airplane, sitting next to a young man. And she writes, I'd already observed something about this man when I was being seated. He called me ma'am. At the time, I thought he either thinks I'm ancient, or he's from the south where they still teach medicine, it's America, or he's in the service, the, uh, the, the forces. I decided the latter was the most likely, so I asked are you in the service? Yes, ma'am, I am, he said. So, Marine, where are he said, well, he said, what branch? And he said, the Marines. He said, hey, Marine, where are you coming from? And he replied, Operation Desert Storm, ma'am. She said, no kidding, Desert Storm, how long were you there? And he replied, a year and a half. I'm on my way home. My family will be at the airport. Then I commented, this lady commented that he must have thought about returning to his family and home many times when he was in the Middle East. Oh no, ma'am, he replied. We were never taught to think of what might never be, but to be fully available right where we are. I wonder if you're willing to be fully available to Jesus right where you are. Are you willing to be fully available to engaging in the mission of God right in your neighbourhood, right here today. Rather than thinking about what, what the consequences might be or thinking that, that, that what will I say, but saying to God, I'm fully ready, believing that your spirit is with us, your Holy Spirit is with me, to engage in the mission that you have for us. I'm ready to partner with you in sharing the good news right here and beyond. I wonder if that can be your heart's cry today. Let's pray. Our Lord and God, we give you thanks and praise that you are at work in the world. Beyond anything that that we do, you are at work. We pray that we may be attuned to you, that as disciples, fully devoted to you, as we give you glory and share your glory in the world, that we may be able to get a sense of where you're calling us to minister and share Jesus with others. Lord, we pray for anyone here that that may have that sense that that could be overseas. Lord, we want to champion missionaries that go and share the word in other places. But Lord, for, for those of us who don't feel that call, we pray that we may start our mission today.
right where you have us, right here. In Jesus' name, amen.